CMS is making its annual updates to coding guidelines, and it's well worth the time for healthcare organizations to invest in understanding them. On this episode, we'll help you do that. Welcome to Modern Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Tomas Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality Vision. And on this episode of our award-winning podcast, I welcome back a couple of leading experts in coding who will walk us through the latest updates. Sheila and Jim, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. So, Sheila, remind the audience about your background and your current role here at Vizient. Hi, I'm Sheila Bold. I'm an associate principal here on the CDI team. My background is more in the coding side of things, where I was a coder, I was a director of coding, HIM, CDI for many years at two of the larger health systems here in the Detroit area. I am from by Detroit, and I have been with Vizient now about three and a half years. Glad to have you. Thanks. Jim, same thing. Tell us a little bit about your background and what you do with this team. Sure, Tom. I'm Jim Tamburini. I'm a senior consulting director in the clinical documentation improvement practice at Vizient. I'm a coder by background, acute care inpatient, outpatient, and a little bit of professional fee coding. And I've been with Vizient for about six years. Same thing as well. Glad to have you. Actually, we might have some fun with this because these two are my buddies at work. So if we're a little silly, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. So let's level set, gang. I understand that CMS has made its annual updates for CMS fiscal year in 2024. So what kind of updates are we to expect? So every year, CMS updates the DRGs. They can add DRGs, delete DRGs, change the way the diagnoses and procedures group within all of those DRGs. And they also update the relative weights, which is what the payments are based off of, and the length of stay of those DRGs. In addition, they'll also add CCs and MCCs that will roll into those DRGs, and those can also be added or deleted. And the diagnosis can also be added as well, or deleted, or further delineated. And then for coding guidelines, for both the diagnosis and procedure coding, those are also updated every year. Is there a formula that they go by? For instance, I've noticed in my career that if there is a procedure code or something that's, I don't want to say abused, but overused, then you see it go away after a couple of years. So is there a formula or a logic that they use to these changes? So they do look at their data and then they base that on, does it look like there should be a further delineation of something or something that's very complex? is being coded to something that is the same code as something that's not as complex, they might split that apart or they might want to split that apart due to wanting to have better data analytics around those types of procedures. So then they can also make a better system in the future because they do base some of these DRG payments off of what the current payment is and the charges for those types of cases. So they can use that data then to analyze and get to the correct payment for those types of cases. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So when do these changes go into effect? So these changes go into effect October 1st of 2023. They call them the 2024 guidelines and the revisions, but they actually go into effect October 1st, 2023, and then are in effect until September 30th, 2024. So what kind of impact do these changes have on providers and hospitals? So the impacts do impact that DRG payment and how the codes are captured in those DRGs. So those relative weights that are assigned to those DRGs, those CCs, MCCs, any of your quality type of metrics, these codes will go into that. So you want to make sure that you're documenting these correctly, as again, it could have further specificity in those codes that are needed in order to be captured correctly and to show how sick patients truly are. 
And generally the weights will increase year over year to account for increasing costs of healthcare, but that's not true for all DRGs and some do get decreased. So again, you want to make sure that you're capturing that appropriate documentation to show again, how sick your patients truly are. This stuff is normally not clinically intuitive, and that's part of the work I do with you guys to help clinicians understand it, to reach their clinical truth. So I'm actually looking forward to hearing these and specifically what changes providers need to make in reference to their documentation. So what were some of the more significant coding changes made for fiscal year 2024? So for fiscal year 2024, there are actually 395 new diagnosis codes added, which sounds scary, but it's not as scary as it sounds. (laughs) There were 25 deleted and 13 revised. So now that brings the total number of diagnosis codes, drum roll, to over 74,000 codes. Again, sounds huge, but it it is. (laughs) And oftentimes, the additions and deletions of codes involving that that deleting of that more generic code, that unspecified code, and then adding new codes that give greater specificity, again, so they can break down that data to get to where are all these conditions for these types of patients. And there could be new new diagnoses that have come out. And some of these changes were made to the CCs and MCCs, which we know those are comorbid conditions, and that can group to a higher weighted DRG. So we do want to make sure that we capture those in order to get to that appropriate DRG for those folks. And for the procedure codes, there are 78 new codes added, five deleted, and 14 revised. So again, another drum roll, that will be over 78,000 procedure codes. Again, with all that specificity included in there, it breaks down really far. And same here, the procedure codes can be updated to reflect new techniques, because every year there's new techniques to these different surgeries, implants, and body parts for the surgery. So 74,044 new diagnostic codes, and now it's well over 78,000 procedure codes. Yes. How does one keep up with this? That's uh-huh. a really good question. Right. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Physicians are expected to memorize all of them. Right. Every single one. Really, there are some key, I think, words and topics and diagnosis that we want to make sure that we communicate to physicians that will still reflect how sick your patient is. I'd agree with Sheila on that for sure. That specificity in the documentation is really what drives this. As those unspecified codes are reported, the government can take that into consideration when they create new diagnosis codes. And as long as the physician documentation is there with the greatest level of specificity, the coding team can ultimately get to those appropriate codes. There are 206 bones in the human body. That's a great place to start. (laughs) That's a great start. Just say, just say. All right, let's get back into our discussion. So what type of changes were made to CCs and MCCs? And I just can't wait to hear this. Well, guess what? Three MCCs were deleted. But here's where that specificity comes in. In all those instances, a less specified code that was deleted. So what are those deleted codes? And then there were more specified codes added. And then those are now considered MCCs. So for example, the J15.6, the pneumonia due to other gram-negative bacteria, was deleted. Oh, wow. Which can seem pretty scary because that is one that a lot of folks pick up. It's fairly common. It's a fairly common MCC. So, yep, that one went away. But 
what we now have that are going to be MCCs are J15.61, which is pneumonia due to Acentobacter bamani, and J1569, which is pneumonia due to other gram-negative bacteria. So that's where that less specified code was split out, and now both of those are considered MCCs. Another MCC that was deleted was the K3521, which is acute appendicitis with peritonitis with abscess. Now, this category was expanded to include the greater specificity of acute appendicitis codes with perforation, without perforation, and unspecified as to perforation. So therefore, even though that one code was deleted, you doctors get to have a ton of fun in adding that additional documentation and specificity, if you can, for that MCC for that acute type of appendicitis. Well, that makes sense to me, though, because that does delineate how sick my patient really is, and that's a very ill patient. Yes. All right. So how about changes made to CCs? So for CCs, there were eight CCs that were deleted for fiscal year 2024. But again, just like the MCCs, all these categories were ones that were expanded. So for example, I-24-8, other forms of acute ischemic heart disease, which is currently a CC, was deleted. But that category is now expanded to include the two following codes, which are both considered CCs for 2024. One is I-2481, acute coronary microvascular dysfunction. So Tom, I don't know, can you provide a little clinical background on some of that coronary microvascular dysfunction? So this is actually quite common among diabetics where they have microvascular disease. Okay, good to know. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then code I-2489 is to capture other forms of acute ischemic heart disease. So you still have that other option, but both of these codes are now going to be CCs, but can delineate out that acute coronary microvascular dysfunction, which, as you said, is very common in those diabetic patients. So then they can track that type of data to see if that's really what's happening and where those patients are and how often that occurs. Another is I-47.1, supraventricular tachycardia, that was deleted, but we have now I-47.10, which is supraventricular tachycardia, unspecified, and I-47.11, which is inappropriate sinus tachycardia, so they specified that out, and both of those are considered CCs for 2024. And again, that makes sense to me. So, with these changes, then, I would expect among myself and my colleagues who are either on the floors or in clinic, there's going to have to be some changes that we need to make in our documentation. Is that correct? Yeah, you want to get to that further specificity, therefore getting that education to the providers and getting those CDI folks and the coding folks on board with these as well to be sure that that further specificity and granularity in that documentation is there again, in order to show how sick your patient truly is, get appropriate reimbursement, and really on all of your different quality type metrics as well, you're going to see that. And it will, again, impact future payments. These changes appear to be more specialty differences. We saw that for surgical and we saw that for cardiac. Is that the case? In some instances, yes. So when we do provide education to providers, we do try to make sure that we target the correct diagnosis that will be more applicable to that type of a specialty. You can't boil the whole ocean. So you do try to drill that down to where it would be more impactful to that type of a provider. So what were some of the more significant changes made to the MSDRGs this year? 
That's a really good question, Tom. And there were actually some pretty significant changes made. So CMS actually deleted 16 MS DRGs this year. Those DRGs include DRG 222 through 227, which are for cardiac defibrillator implants with and without cardiac cath, with and without AMI, and with and without CCs and MCCs. So those DRGs have been replaced with three new DRGs. DRG 275, which is cardiac defibrillator implant with cardiac cath and MCC, and then 276 and 277, which is cardiac defibrillator implant with MCC and without MCC. So on first glance, one might think that that is a triplet DRG, but it's not. DRG 275 includes cardiac cath with an MCC, and then 276 and 277 are actually a DRG pair. So that's with and without MCC, with or without cardiac cath. Additionally, DRGs 246 through 249, which are percutaneous cardiovascular procedures with and without drug-eluting stent, with and without MCC, those are actually now being split into two DRGs, DRG 321, 322, percutaneous cardiovascular procedures with an intraluminal device with MCC or four or more arteries or intraluminal devices with and without MCC. So some pretty significant changes there. Additionally, they deleted DRGs 338 through 343, which were appendectomy DRGs with and without complicated principal diagnosis and with and without CCs or MCCs. However, CMS did create three new DRGs, DRG 397, 98, and 99, which is appendix procedures with and without CC or MCC to replace those appendix DRGs that were deleted previously. So note that there's no longer a diagnosis in the definition for the logic of assigning that appendectomy DRG. They've done away with that, you know, complicated uh, principal diagnosis. Yeah, which I think was confusing to folks a lot of times anyway, in the definition of that DRG. I agree. Totally. Yep, totally. So then CMS then added 15 new DRGs for 2024, which include 173, ultrasound accelerated, and other thrombolysis with principal diagnosis of PE, that DRG 278-279, which is ultrasound accelerated and other thrombolysis of peripheral vascular stricture with and without MCC, DRG 212, which is concomitant aortic valve and mitral valve procedures. We see that pretty frequently. DRG 275, which is that standalone DRG we talked about before for the cardiac defibrillator implant with cardiac cath and MCC. And then new DRGs were also made for coronary intravascular procedures with and without intraluminal devices and appendix procedures with and without CCs and MCCs, kind of like we talked about just previously. Sheila, Jim, great discussion. And on the next episode, we'll continue to examine the updates and coding guidelines. And to our listeners, you can contact Sheila or Jim at their email addresses in the resource section of the podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email, modernpracticepodcast at visionink.com. We also posted a link in our research section. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. And now, I'm Dr. Tomas Villanueva. Thank you so much for listening.